If you've got your Bibles with you, would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 4? Um, we're going to read from verse 17. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. So we've been speaking on the kingdom of God, and we, um, well, this is one of the scriptures that we had read. So I just want to read it to us again and remind us of an important factor of the kingdom of God. And so in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, it says, From that time Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I'll read again. From that time Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so if you remember, we looked at that word repentance, and repentance goes beyond saying sorry for sin. If you look, if you look, if you're to break down that word repent, it means to change your mind which results in a change of behaviour or results in a change of thinking. And so let's say I'm walking in a certain direction, it's a completely 180 degree turn in the other direction. I'm in the kingdom of this world, I view something in this world and my mind towards it says that's okay. But I come into the kingdom, I see the principles of the kingdom through the truth of the word. My, what happens, repentance changes my mind towards that subject, and I no longer view it in the same light. And I say, whoa, whoa, I can't actually walk in this direction. I've changed my behaviour, I've changed my thoughts about it, and I now walk in the opposite direction. And so what Jesus is saying, and it's, we're going to look at one of the principles today, is the Kingdom of God is so in contrast to the Kingdom of this world or to the kingdom of darkness. We call it, if you remember, the upside down kingdom or the kingdom in reverse. And so that's why Jesus would say, guys, if you wanna get this kingdom, you really need to change the way you think. And so none of us were born as Christians. You know, we were born, as the Bible says, into the kingdom of darkness. We were born as children of the devil, which is absolutely crazy. But we got born again. And the Bible says that we were translated out of the domain of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son. And so we come into the kingdom with thoughts. We come into the kingdom with thought processes, with behaviours, with attitudes that have been embedded in us through the kingdoms of this world, just through our time of living on this world under the influence of media, under the influence of just the spirit of the world telling us what to do and how to think. And so when we come into the kingdom, we now have to repent, we have to change the way we think. And so Jesus, like we said, Jesus taught about these principles, these things that we need to renew our mind to. Jesus taught about them in the Gospels. We know the apostles, they, they kind of just expanded on them in the letters of Paul and then their letters. But there's principles that we see taught by Jesus in the Gospels. But it's not only things that He taught, it's things that He did. And so through His very own lifestyle, Jesus demonstrated what the kingdom of God looks like and then how we are to adapt to that. Remember that, that bracelet thing? What would Jesus do? No? <laughs> you guys can... Yeah. No, what would Jesus do? The, 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 the call, the base, at the base of it, the call of a Christian is to emulate Jesus. Paul said it like this, follow me as I follow Christ. And so what we see Jesus do we are meant to do likewise. Amen. That's what it means to be a Christian. It means to be a Christian means little Christ. 
other words, we are made in the image of the Father. We are made in the image of the Son. The Bible even says, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, that on this Christian journey, we are being transformed into the image of Jesus more and more and more. So the more we think like Jesus, the more we look like Jesus, the more we act like Jesus, the more we talk like Jesus, then we're doing really well, you know? If we're going in the opposite direction, we need to ask ourselves some questions. But anyway, let's go to John chapter 13, verse one to seven. And we see it here, Jesus introduced a principle of the kingdom. He, he, he demonstrates it and then he talks about it. And we're gonna look at some other scriptures again where he teaches more about it. And this principle of the kingdom is about serving. So we see in John chapter three, sorry, John chapter 13, verse one to seven. Let me read it to you. It says this, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper, he laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That, why he, that was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. And so just to provide some context of what's happening here is that what Jesus was doing was totally out of character or totally out of cultural context for someone of his prominence and of someone of his position. In a Jewish house, there would be a servant and the role of the servant, because you remember, they didn't have like shoes like we had. They didn't have cars and stuff like that. And so their feet were very dirty. They didn't have tar roads. The, 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 the roads were just full of sand, full of mud, full of animal droppings. You know, the donkeys are going everywhere doing their thing. And so people would come into a house with dirty feet. And so the role of the servant is that before they would sit down at a meal, the servant would wash the feet. 
And so particularly the master of the house, he would sit, he would, like he would come home, recline at the chair, and the servant would come and wash his feet. And so here we see Jesus, remember the, the kingdom of God. Now, and I love Jesus because he just smashes everything. You know, we see it with the, with the Pharisees, how he just, he just like knocked religion. He just smashed religion out of the park. It's like he just turned, the, like he literally, he turned the tables upside down. And here we see it even again, and when it comes to, to, to serving, when it comes to our, our, our worldly mindset of serving, we have to understand, and I want to read this again in verse, I think it's verse, yeah, verse three, listen to this. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to, I'll read again. Jesus, listen to this, knowing, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God. What did he do? Knowing he was the Son of God, knowing he was the King of Kings, knowing he was the Christ, knowing he was the eternal one, no higher being than him. No king on earth can match him. Remember, he's matchless in all his ways. Knowing who he is, it says he rose from the table took off his garments and put on the garment of a servant. And he began to serve his disciples. He began to wash the feet of his disciples. And we see here in verse, verse 14 to 17, he, after he's washed their feet, he, he sits down back at the table and he says to the disciples, as you have seen me do, now you do. And so that command, the, the, this principle of the kingdom isn't just for the 12 disciples. This is for you and I. We are called to serve. This is the principle of the kingdom. We are called, first of all, to serve God. We are called to serve our local church. We are called to serve our city. And we are called to serve one another. But what happens is that we allow our position or we allow our status to stop us from serving others. And so I've even seen it in the church where someone, you know, they used to be an usher or they used to clean the tables or they used to clean the bathrooms and now they've kind of, they think they've graduated from that, you know, and so now I'm a, I don't know, let's say now I'm a praise and worship guy, whatever. And so they'll walk past like a dirty table, but they won't, or there's a paper on the floor, they won't pick it up. They won't serve in that way because they've been promoted from that. You know, and so we, and that's what I love about Jesus and his example is like from the highest place, he took the lowest place. And so we never graduate from serving. You can like, raise the dead, you can cast out demons, you can do the greater works of Christ, but that doesn't excuse you from serving others. It doesn't, doesn't make you exempt you know, from serving other people. And so God has called us to serve one another. He's called us to serve one another in our gifts. He's called us to serve one another in our abilities. He's called us to serve one another even in our finances to come alongside others and, and, and to, 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 as Jesus did, to, to come and to just, you know, be there for them for what they need. This is the heart of servanthood. And this is the heart of the, of the kingdom of God, 
that it's total contrast, like I said. We never graduate from serving. There's another scripture I wanted to look at. It's in Matthew chapter 20, verse 20 to 28. Matthew chapter 20, verse 20 to 28. You guys following me this morning? It might be a bit challenging, but it's all good. So in Matthew chapter 20, verse 20 to 28, these, the disciples are quite funny, these guys. So it says this, Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up with her sons, and kneeling before him, she asked him for something. And he said to her, What do you want? She said to him, Say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left in your kingdom. So just, um, you know, the, the disciples didn't understand at this stage what Jesus was talking about. You know, the kingdom of God is like this, the kingdom. They thought he was gonna come and overthrow the Roman government and set up his natural throne, you know, in Jerusalem. And so these guys, they're just, they're just exposing their hearts. You know, they wanna sit and they wanna rule with Jesus in this natural place in Jerusalem. So that's where they're coming from. And so Jesus answered, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? They said to him, we are able. He said to them, you will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my father. And I love this. And when the 10 heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. Why? Because they didn't think of it first. <laughs> but Jesus called them to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and that their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as a son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. When it talks about that in verse 26, sorry, verse 25, where it talks about the, 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 the rulers lording it over people, it means to oppress. And so, like I said, we often see that in the kingdom, that's the kingdom of this world, that if you're in a status of high position, you often see that those people will oppress those who are under them. They will oppress the vulnerable, they will oppress their, their staff, you know, they will, it's just like, I don't care, I will just use you as a stepping stone in, in for my greater influence. And so the, the, the lords of this earth, they oppress people, they, they take dominion over them and they, they treat them like slaves. And so what Jesus is saying, he's pointing out again, this contradiction between that, the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of heaven. He says, you, guys, you can't be like that. He says, yes, you will rule. And we see that even in Revelation where the, these 12 disciples are given 12 thrones you know, to, in, in the new Jerusalem. And so they get places of position and places of authority, which we'll see even later on when they become the apostles. But Jesus says, when you come to this place of influence, don't use it like the world uses it. Use it to lift others up. And so here we see the contradiction between the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of God is that the kingdom of this world will push others down to lift themselves up but the kingdom of God will always come underneath and lift others up. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of this world is a top-down approach, but the kingdom of God is a bottom-up 
approach. And Jesus, he, he makes it even more like hectic, for lack of a better word, in, in verse 28, he describes what serving really looks like. And he says, I read again, he says that even as the Son of Man came not to, to, to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. If you want to understand the biblical concept of serving, it's to give your life for others. And that's what Jesus said. When he died on the cross, what he's saying here, this was his act of service to us. This was why he, he came underneath and he lifted us up. He died that we may live. And so I, I die to dignity. Oh, that's, that's beneath me. This person is beneath me. Why should I help them? We die to dignity. We die to self-will. We die to self-sustenance, self-indulgence, all these selfish things that we can think of. We die to selfishness, really. And we give our lives in serving one another. It's, it's the most beautiful concept in the kingdom of God. And if, if we could get this right, as a church, I'm not saying we don't do this, but if each one of us would do this well, the unity in the church would just be absolutely amazing. We know that the Bible says where, where there is unity, God commands a blessing. And so we need to, again, Matthew chapter four, we need to repent. We need to change our way of thinking about the kingdom of God, about serving, about honouring one another. There's another scripture I wanted to read, and again, it's the disciples. In Mark chapter nine, verse 33 to 35, It says this, and they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the, uh, in the house, he asked them, what were you discussing on the way? As Jesus asking his disciples. But they kept silence, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. <laughs> and he sat down and called the 12, and he said to them, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all. And again, he must be servant of all. And so here again, we, we talk about the influence of the kingdom of the world. And we see this embedded in the hearts of the disciples. And we see the outworking of that, which we spoke of just now, how the world, you know, how the world just operates. It's, it's the arguing, it's the jockeying for position. It's the cheating, the manipulating, the lying, the stepping on to get to a higher position than others. And Jesus is saying to them, guys, you, that's not how the kingdom of God works. The kingdom of God, remember, is the letting go of self, even for others to come in front of you, even for others to come above you. And that can be like, that can be quite intimidating, not intimidating, but quite sore if you're aiming for a certain title or you're aiming for a certain position and God says, just don't worry about that. 
honour the one in front of you, honour the one, serve them as they go into that place. And so, like I said, we, we come into this kingdom with these issues. And so we, we laugh at the disciples, but even in the church, we do the same thing. We argue with one another. We jockey for position. We lie, we cheat. I mean, I've, not here, praise God, but stories I've heard of like in churches where it's like amongst the staff, like the church staff, they lie about each other you know, this is like church people, saved, born again. You know, they lie about each other. They, they fabricate stories so that they can get promoted, you know, to the worship leader or the assistant pastor. And so they see people that are, are going to be promoted in front of them and they connive and they do things to tear them down. And so... Where this comes from, and this is what Jesus, I believe, is saying as part of this, is that when we seek position, when we're seeking status, we're actually seeking the praise and the honour of man. That's the only reason why we want it. You know, we want to be the guy that sits next to Pastor Craig on the front row. Then it's like, nah, I've made it. You know, we walk in and we like, look at everybody before we turn around. We sit down, we walk in, we shake, oh, I can shake Pastor Craig's hand because I sit next to him. <laughs> and we feel, and everyone's looking at us like, wow, I'm so important. It's, and it's all, it's like, yeah, it doesn't, it's like, she's even said something, it's like, you know, like God says, like, if that's what you want to do, then that's your reward. Yeah. If you're seeking man's praise, well then, let that be your reward. Wow, what a reward. <laughs> but we, we do it, even as Christians. We will manipulate our way to be that guy. I guess to sit next to Pastor Craig and shake his hand. Or at the Christmas dinner, I get to sit at Pastor Craig's table. <laughs> Is this not true? So we need to find contentment in what he's asked us to do. There's this thing in the church where everybody wants to be up here. I want to be in the, the worship team or I want to, I want to preach, I want to open in prayer. It's this, this, this desire for status, this desire for influence but that's not of God. And so I ask you this morning, what has God called you to? In what area has He asked you to serve? Because that's what He's looking for. We gotta get rid of the whole, this, all these titles and, you know, it gets out of hand. Have you seen these guys? Like, hi, here's my business card. Apostle, Prophet, Lloyd, Janssen, Van Rensburg, Dynamic, <laughs> Man of God of faith, healing the dead. Here we go. And even on the car, like the guys drive around with cars and it's the same things on their car written there. It's like, we, we, it's, like it's not the kingdom. Kingdom is always come low. 
all this. And, and Jesus, Jesus demonstrates this time and time and time. He had every reason to be the man who sat on his throne and the disciples bring him grapes and juice and he just chills there. You know, and they serve him. And he's like, and because he is, he's majestic. He had every reason, but he always chose to go low. Always. Whether he was with the prostitute, whether he was with the, the tax collector, whether he was with the Roman centurions, whether he was the Pharisees, whether he was with the disciples, whatever it was, whoever he was with. See, he didn't judge, as I 11 says, he does not judge according to sight or by what his ear hears. This is our example. This is Jesus. And so don't, just let go of the position stuff. God will promote you in His way and in His time. Do what He's asked you to do now. Do it faithfully. Do it well. Not with the ambition that if I do it well, then, then you're, still, you're still in the wrong place. Be content in what he's asking you to do now. Be content in serving and how he's asked you to serve. Because the, the, the danger is even there, we, it's like we see these guys doing all these things and they get to be on the camera and they get to be on YouTube and all these things, you know. And so if I can't do that, then I'm going to do nothing. And so my, my, I'm so filled with jealousy, really what it is, is that, well, stuff you guys, I'm just gonna do nothing then. And meanwhile, God's calling us to this body. He's calling us some as eyes, some as hands. Remember 1 Corinthians chapter 12? Some as hands, some as feet. So the body, Ephesians chapter three, builds itself up. That the body works in its way. The body works together. The body builds itself up, working in all its ways. And so we, we choose to do nothing, but we're actually hindering the body because we're not taking up our role, we're not taking up our place, or because we're jealous of somebody else. You know, we're jealous of their position, and so we just don't do anything. And so we, again, another thing that we need to get rid of is this jealousy thing. Amen. Are you guys okay? Yeah. And that's a bit, can be a bit. <laughs> but yeah, ish. It's just, it's just how it is, eh? But it's healthy. If we get, yeah, I'm telling you, if we can get hold of these principles of the kingdom and just walk them out, it's just going to bring so much fruit. You know, and I think it was last time we said, look, when, when we're looking for fruit, he's going to prune. And so this is a bit of a, <laughs> he's pruning a little bit today. So let him prune you. If there's jealousy, don't like, oh, that's, that's this guy, not me. You know, just be honest with him. Lord, you're talking to me. Look at one more scripture, Philippians chapter two, verse one to seven. Again, another scripture talking about the servanthood of Jesus. And it says this, 
Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 to 7. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Verse 3 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which, yours, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Listen to this. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. And so we see this concept again and again and again, even here. But emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. And so again, we see Jesus laying aside his status, laying aside his position to become a servant, a servant of man. But I want us to go back to verse three because it, it kind of gives us a practical implementation of what the servanthood looks like. And so there's three words we're gonna look at in verse three. And the first one is this, it's selfish ambition. And so we need to iron these things out. And as we do that, we will be transformed into the image of a servant. And even as I say that, you're like, well, I don't want to be the image of a servant. But in the kingdom, the servant is the greatest. And so he needs to iron these things out of us. And so the first one is selfish ambition. And what that means is to place self-interest ahead of what the Lord declares right or what is good for others. I'll read again. Selfish ambition means to place self-interest ahead of what the Lord declares right or what is good for others. And so the truth is this, is that there's always going to be someone more gifted than you, someone more anointed than you, and someone better looking than you. And so coming back to the jealousy thing, if, we, if we're holding on to a position or you're holding on to a title and I'm threatened by this new guy because, wow, shucks, this guy can really preach. And this guy's really anointed. Have you seen him pray for the sick? And so now I become jealous and I become threatened by this man. Why? Because I'm holding onto a position. I'm holding onto a title, which wasn't mine in the first place, which was given to me by God, and He gives it to whom He will. And so I begin to, like I said, we begin to do selfish things, and we, we make decisions in opposition to this person. And so we, we cut down other people because we're threatened by them. You remember the story in 1 Samuel chapter 18 of Saul and of David, right? David had just defeated Goliath and he went to, King James, he went to slew some Philistines and he came back and it says, the, the women of Israel, they began to sing the song. They said, Saul has slain his thousands. And Saul's like, yeah, I have. And then they say, but David, his ten thousands. And it says like Saul's countenance dropped and like from that moment, he became jealous of David. Why? David was more anointed than him. David was better looking than him. 
David was a greater warrior than him. And so Saul became jealous of David. And like the very next, the very next passage of Scripture says, David was playing his harp before Saul as he usually did. And Saul took a spear out and tried to kill him. And so jealousy, this selfish ambition, this holding on to a title by Saul, being threatened by David, he wants to be king. He wants to hold on to this thing, even though God told him through Samuel that I'm taking this away from you, this title away from you. So he tries everything in his means to get rid of David. Why? Because he's threatened of him. Imagine Jesus, right? (laughs) John 14, John 15, talking to his disciples. You will do greater works than I will do. Imagine if Jesus was jealous or threatened by his disciples knowing that they're going to do greater works. And so he does everything he can to undercut them, you know, to undermine them because he wants to be remembered as the one who did the greatest works. Did he? No. Why do we? Because this is not a competition. Please, please, please. You're running your own race. You're not competing against one another to see who can get there first. God, if just that's, it's, again, it's that, it's that thing we have to repent of. We have to renew our minds of that. That's not the kingdom of God. You run your own. I want to show you something in Matthew chapter 25. I'm going to read verse 20 to 23. It says, and he said, and he, sorry, and he who had received the five talents came forward bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two, tal- two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Tell me this. Was the reward of the man with the five talents different to the reward of the man with the two talents? Did Jesus change his words by even one punctuation mark? No. We all get the same reward. Whatever it is is called you to, whatever you, the five guy, the two guy, if the one guy had made one more talent, what would his reward have been? Exactly the same. So why do we compete and judge and and push and, and, and argue and gossip against one another to be ahead of one another? when you're not even running the same race because you're going to get a prize for what you've been called to do and they're going to get a prize for what they've been called to do. This is a, this is a hectic one. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 to 3, it says, But I, brothers, Paul writing to the church in Corinth, I could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk 
not solid food, for you are not ready for it. And even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. Listen to this. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving in only a human way? You're saying, where there is jealousy in our hearts, we're acting like babies. It's actually immaturity. I've got a two-year-old and a four-and-a-half-year-old. And so if I'm near the two-year-old, if she's sitting on my lap and she's spending time with daddy and the four-and-a-half-year-old comes and she also wants to climb on the lap, your big stories. <laughs> They're like, ah! Just wants to push and kick, you know, why? Because she's jealous because now this is her time. Why? Because she's an infant. She's acting out of her nature. And so it's quite strong words by Paul. He's saying, stop acting like a baby and grow up. That's essentially what he's saying. If, if other people are getting promoted ahead of you, if other people are being honoured before you, and you, in your heart, are jealous and full of strife, you're actually acting like a baby. And so Paul says, grow up. <laughs> See, when, when these things are in our heart, we won't serve. This is, this is what Jesus is getting at. He sets the example, the, the servant king. But then he says, but if these things, this jealousy, this, this, this ambition for status and title and positioning and the, and the pushing and the manipulating and the jockeying, if these things are in your heart, it will be impossible for you to, to practically implement the things of the kingdom of God. It's impossible. I will not serve Ross if I'm jealous of him. I can see he needs help with something and I'll turn around and I'll walk the other way. He's busy carrying, actually, so that fridge that you saw in there, but that's, that's Monique's fridge and her couch. And so Ross helped us to move those things, you know. And so it was myself, Ross and Letu. And so Ross is busy carrying this big fridge and I see him stumbling because we had to go up a driveway and say, so I'm jealous of Ross and I've got this strife against him. I'm like, oh, let that fridge fall on his face. Let's see what it's. <laughs> then he won't be so pretty and good looking anymore. <laughs> you know? And so these things affect me in my servant. And so Jesus makes it so clear. We are to serve one another. When your brother is down, pick him up. Don't kick him. Don't throw sand in his eyes. Ah! Pick him up. If your brother is in need, the scripture says, and you are able to help him, help him. But if I'm jealous, I've got all this stuff going on in my heart, I'm not going to emulate the king. Jesus made it so clear as you have seen me do, do for this is crazy, guys. Remember John chapter 13? How many disciples were present there? Twelve, including Judas. That scripture clearly says, Jesus knowing, it said, the devil had already entered Judas's heart. Jesus knowing that Judas would betray him, went down 
and washed the feet of Judas. He chose to take a servant position to the one who would betray him. Think about that. Think about just like, it's just letting go of all that gunk in our hearts, man. Just let it go. With that scripture says, if you, some of you are putting coals on your enemies, if it's, oh, anyone remember that scripture? It's so good. Okay, no one remembers. <laughs> okay, Michelle's going to bring it up for us. But it's like, you know, it's like serving your enemy is like heaping coals of fire on his head. You know, so if someone wrongs you, come in the opposite spirit. If someone's gossiping about you, love on them, serve them, help them. It's like, it just, it's so confrontive to that person and then it just dissolves and it breaks down those walls of hostility. And so no matter who they are, if it's Judas to Jesus, he still chose to serve. And so there's no excuse for us to serve and to help and to love one another. The next two things we see in Philippians chapter two, verse one to seven, and they tie in together. Find Philippians. It says, I'll read the whole of verse three again. It says, do nothing from selfish ambition, which we've covered. It says, or conceit, but it says this, but in humility, count others more significant than yourself. That word conceit, it just means pride. It's a, it means a state of baseless pride. And at, this, at the heart of pride, it means this, is that I am better than you. And so you remember that story in Luke chapter 18, verse nine to 14, the Pharisees in the temple and he goes to pray and it says a tax collector comes in next to him and he begins to pray. The tax collector's crying his heart out to God, God, forgive me for I'm a sinner. The Pharisees praying says, oh, thank you, Lord, that I'm not like this tax collector, that I'm not a woman <laughs> or unclean, you know. And he, and he begins to judge himself and, he, and he's filled with pride and he sees this man as inferior to himself. And so we've got to be very, very, very careful. And it says that we've got to count others as more significant than ourselves. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16, it says, we no longer regard anyone according to the flesh. Yeah. And so what that means is that every one of us sitting here this morning are equal before God. Galatians 3, Paul says, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave or free, male nor female. And so regardless of race, regardless of economic condition, regardless of your anointing, regardless of, I don't know, anything that you could think that would separate you from one another this morning, it doesn't exist in the mind of the Father. You are not better than the person sitting in the aisle across from you. Sorry. <laughs> in the eyes of the Father, you are not more loved you are not more important. And so don't think yourself to be. The Bible says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. In other words, you're not actually, so why are you thinking that? And so it says, count others as more significant than yourselves. And I want us to go to one more scripture before we close this in James chapter two, verse 
It's another ouchy one. James chapter 2, verse 1 to 9. Remember, these are all things that he wants to iron out that we would take on the role of a servant, the kingdom of God's servants. So in James chapter 2, verse 1 to 9, it says this, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honourable name by which you were called? If you really fulfil the royal law according to the Scripture, you shall love your neighbour as yourself, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. And so, again, penetrating the heart, sitting here this morning, if you have judged someone by their appearance, by their race, by their economic standing, and you've judged yourself as superior to them, it says you're actually in sin. And I will not serve that person. Prideful one says, no, they must serve me because I am in higher rank, higher position, higher status than that person. But that's not Jesus. John 13, he came from the highest to go to the lowest. And so it's again, if there's pride or Pride and Prejudice, isn't that a movie? <laughs> or Prejudice in your heart. Jesus says, repent. Change the way you think. Every one of us sitting here this morning, we are brothers and we are sisters. And we serve one another. Not you serve me and I'll serve you because I think you're better than me. We all serve each other. We all wash the feet of one another. We all honour one another. We all help one another. And James, he, he, he makes it very clear, and really this is the crux of it in verse 8. It says, if you really fulfil the royal law according to the Scripture, you shall love your neighbour as yourself. You are doing well. And that's really what it, this all boils down to. That's why Jesus served. That's why Jesus gave his life. Remember John 3 said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He committed his act of service because of love. And so if there is any of these things in my heart this morning 
the jealousy, the, the strife, the, the pride, the prejudice, any of these things in my heart, I need the love of God to wash me. I need the love of God to permeate my thoughts and my, my mind and the way I see things, the way I think about things, the way I see other people, the way I think about other people. We need the love of the Father and that's the key. And so if any of this has hit home with you, my encouragement to you is go and seek His love. Be honest with Him. Father, these things were pointed out to me. I need your love to love like you loved. In my, in my own human ability, in my own human capability, I fall short. But to do what Jesus did, we need the heart of Jesus Christ. And so press into that. And, and, and press into this principle of the kingdom. It's interesting, in John chapter 13, Jesus answered or ends off and he says, those who serve, he says there's a blessing attached. Let me just read it. John chapter 13. He says, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. And so serving each other, washing the feet of one another might seem like a lowly position, like it's a disgraceful thing but it actually brings blessing. It actually brings increase. It actually brings fruitfulness into our lives. And so I encourage you to pursue these, the, the, these principles of the kingdom. They're not easy. They're very, 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 very challenging. Very challenging. Jesus was very challenging in his lifestyle. Very challenging in his teachings. And so we need to embrace these things and, and allow them to challenge us, to refine us, and to purify us. Amen. Let's, let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for, for your truth. And Lord, we, we see where we fall short, Lord God. We thank you that your word says that you bring grace to help us in our time of need. And so Father, right now I ask for just, just an impartation of your grace, an impartation of your love. To, to do that which you ask us to do, to be that whom you ask us to be, Lord. To be servants of one another. Father, I ask that you would, even that word servant, Lord, that you would change our mindset, Lord. To change the way we view that word, Lord. To see it in, in the light of the kingdom of God. Father, I pray that we would be a church that loves one another, that honors one another, that helps one another, that serves one another in sincerity of heart, Father, this would be a place where there, it is free from strife, Lord. Free from pride, free from jealousy, Lord. Father, we call this house a house of unity, a place where you command your blessing, Lord God. And Father, this is only through the works of Jesus Christ. And so we say, Jesus, come and do your work in us. We love you, Lord. We honour you. Father, our heart is to, to be obedient to your word. Our heart is to, to live out the principles of your kingdom as you have asked us to do. And so we say yes, Lord. We say yes to that which you ask of us, God. And we honour you now in Jesus' name. Amen.